Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you for all that you do for us, for the beautiful weather, even when it's raining. It's, it's beautiful because it brings the promise of spring and all the flowers and bulbs that are beginning to sprout from the ground lets us know that you are still in control always. There are so many blessings that you give to each of us individually and collectively. We can't even begin to, to articulate those in, in any way, shape, or form. But, but know that we are thankful that you are God and that you are with us. There are many things in our lives individually and collectively as well that we need help with. Uh, grieving uh, families. Put your arms around them, encircle them, and hold them close. For other sickness, illness that we have, um, other situations, we know that you are the great physician and that you can make them well, if it be your will. We pray for ourselves in the loss of of Doyce, we know that he's in a better place and um, our loss is your gain. And we pray for our church, our congregation, uh, for our denomination, for the church universal, for our country and for our world, and for each other. Prayer is always needed, it's always helpful, and it lets us have a direct conversation with you and that you are able to help. And we pray all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen.
The gospel lesson for today comes from John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and he watched Jesus walk by. He proclaimed, Look, here's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Anointed One. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are, you are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Here ends the gospel lesson. When Tom asked me to bring the messages this morning, last night, um, I said, well, I usually have something running around in my head, and um, this time I didn't, but uh, he said, well, I was going to preach on the gospel that we just heard read. And so I said, well, I'll just kind of see what comes to me through divine intervention. And lo and behold, something came. Now, um, a little bit of a disclaimer. I usually try to do research so I don't say something wrong. So if I say something that's not quite right, please forgive me. Um, when Linda got home after we got done eating supper, then she asked me what I was going to preach about. And so um, she had told this story about her father when he was young. He grew up in Lafayette and went to the Methodist church there. And so when he got home after church, then his parents wanted to see if he was paying attention during the sermon. And so he, they would say, well, what was the sermon about? And he always answered one thing, sin. (laughs) 
So this sermon is not about sin necessarily. Um, one thing that you may have noticed about the anthem as well as the call and the response is unity. So if you don't remember anything else, you can remember that this sermon is going to try to be like, about unity. As you all know, the lectionary has three different scriptures in it. Uh, the psalm, which we read responsibly, and the gospel. Uh, there are uh, always an Old Testament and an epistle. And so I'd like to read those for you as well because I think it's relevant um, to what God put on my heart today. So Isaiah 49 Beginning with chapter 2, before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring back Jacob, to bring, excuse me, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my strength has been and God, my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And the epistle is from First Corinthians, the first chapter. It only went through verse 12, but I'm going to read a little bit beyond that. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because the grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Father, uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. I appeal to you, brothers, to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly unified in mind and thought, my brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollo. Another, I follow Cephas. 
still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that I baptized into my name. Yet I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So the word of God for the people of God. So the, in the um, Old Testament lesson, it talks about the prophet Isaiah um, and that he was called to prophesy about Israel going into bondage um, at the hands of the Babylonians into, into exile. And his, even though it hadn't happened yet, he... Uh, had planned on and prophesied and knew that what was going to happen was that the whole nation of Israel was going to be reunited and brought home. And so one could say, well, they didn't necessarily go into exile because they were divided, but it sure didn't help. They forgot where the, the God that brought them out of Egypt, but they still divided and they went into bondage and they came back. In the psalm, uh, it talks about the, uh, David says, well, I've, I've been, had these things happen to me, terrible troubles, uh, things that, that uh, I've, I felt like I was in the mire, uh, in the pit, uh, just, just no way out, but yet God came to rescue him. And certainly in the, in the epistle lesson, the uh, church at Corinth obviously had some things going on that, uh, was causing division with them. And so Paul is, of course, trying to get them to unify and to uh, remember what they were about and not get distracted. So sometimes we also get divided. We get divided in um, our congregation, uh, we get divided in our, in our denomination. Uh, we get divided in our nation. And division is never good. The Pledge of Allegiance says, one nation under God, indivisible. It doesn't say one nation red and blue. Uh, it doesn't say one nation, and I don't even remember which one's which, but uh, one nation, uh, Republican, Democrat, um, it doesn't say one church, the church unified being um, uh, progressive or centrist or traditional. It's one church. We have looming in our future the specter of the next general conference. We have had one conference about that. It was decided and then... Um, and then some folks decided it was not decided. And so now we have probably six different groups that have said, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we know what's going to happen. And this is what's going to happen. And this is how it's going to happen. 
And in the uh, gospel, it says, Behold the Lamb of God. So how do those two go together? Well, you've got bishops and you've got pastors that have congregations in the thousands and thousands. You have people with lots of letters after their names that have gotten together and decided what's going to happen. And so rather than putting our faith in them, like Paul talked about people in Corinth not putting their faith in the people that they shouldn't be putting their faith in. We should put, put our faith in Christ because God is going to take care of this if we let him. But if we decide ahead of time that something is not going to happen or is going to happen that's not God's will, then that's not good. That's not good. Similarly with, and I don't want to get any political here, but similarly with our government, it seems like the only thing that the congressmen and senators are worried about is getting reelected. The only time they really speak the truth and what's on their mind is when they're retiring. Because they don't have to worry about getting reelected because they're not going to run again. But um, don't you know that Satan is dancing with delight about what's going on in our denomination. Don't you know that our, the enemies of our country are just gleeful about all the stuff that's going on in Washington right now? But you know what? There's hope. Because God said... Don't worry about this. Don't be troubled about it. Just put your faith in me. Can we do that? I hope so. Can we decide ahead of time what's going to happen with our denomination and more or less dictate to the, the general population what's going to happen? Well, that could happen, but if they truly put their faith in God, then it won't happen. Something is going to come out of this because if we do become divided, are we going to be more effective in spreading the gospel? Is there going to be more people? I'm not talking about people in the, sitting in the congregation today. I'm talking about in the future. We're supposed to win souls to Christ and we're supposed to spread the gospel. So is that going to help us do better? Think about all the missionaries. Think about UMCOR, all the good that does. What's going to happen to that? I've never seen anything addressed to that, to that uh, end from the result of all this. I don't want to be negative in any way because I truly believe that if we put our faith in God, in the Lamb of God, it was talked about in, first John, in uh, John, the first chapter, that things are going to be okay. That's a big if. And so what, what can we do as, as a congregation? We can pray that the God's will be done. And that seems, I guess, a, an insignificant thing for a little bitty church on the fringes of the conference. Um, 
we've been called outcasts even, uh, just from the standpoint of, of, ge of uh, geographically. But what can we do if we pray? I've always had faith in this church. I've been to this church my whole life, not this building, but this church. And I've always had faith that this church, when it truly offered prayer, made a difference. Any more so or less so than any other church? Probably not. But there is hope that we can achieve unity in our denomination. The unity has to start here in our congregation. I think we have pretty good unity here. We've had some bumps along the way a few years ago maybe. But I think we can achieve unity here and I think we can achieve unity in our, in our denomination so that United Methodists can continue to make a difference. So I hope and pray that um, we'll give you some food for thought, uh, that you can do what you can do, that we can do what we can do. Certainly wouldn't hurt to contact the people who are delegates to our annual conference as well as the general conference. We're this very well represented from our congregation in that respect, four, four people. From the, to the annual conference, but then to the general conference as well. So I really feel like we can start here and work to make a difference to achieve unity. So when you get home and you say, well, what was the sermon about? And you say, well, it wasn't about sin. It was about unity. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this congregation of your church. We pray that your will would be done in our congregation, in our district, our conference, and throughout the whole world. We pray that the leaders would put aside their preformed opinions, would put aside their egos, would put aside their convictions, and do the will of God, seek it, so that the will of God can be done. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Lamb of God. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go in peace. Go in the hope that we can achieve unity and do the work of God, keeping our eyes on Him that we do His will. Amen.